0: Hi there, and thanks for joining us. Coming up on this episode, we speak about the return of the Panto. Oh, no, we don't. Well, we do, actually. We also speak with the West Cork Bakery that's spreading gluten free goodness and a promise that the airport is on track to reopen next month. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business
1: Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast.
0: And it is a pleasure to be joined on the line by Eileen Gleeson, CEO of Cork Opera House, because it is the time of the year where we get to talk about the panto, Eileen, and I honestly didn't think we were ever going to do that again. How are you? Hi, Jonathan. I'm great, thank
2: you. And yes, it's... So exciting, isn't
0: it? It really is, and I, when I saw the tickets going on sale last week, I was I was genuinely excited because it's been so long since we've had a chance to get into the opera house and enjoy a show.
2: Yeah, I mean, like it was a long eighteen months now, John. To be fair, but we're so delighted to be at the point where we're announcing the panto. You know, I mean, it is definitely like you know one of the things that we're known best for, and our show is definitely. I know, I mean, I know I'm biased, but I would consider it you know, one of the best shows in the country um, by a mile, you know, and we put so much of ourselves into it. It's our absolute kind of like shining star of a show every year. So to have not done it last year was really tough, tough for us. And we did a kind of an online offering last year, which went really well and really showed the kind of flexibility of the products that we have here and like that the guys were able to adapt to an online forum, but nothing beats Panto Live, nothing beats shows on stage, you know? So to be back in that, Position where we can do that is amazing. Now it's a little bit different this year in that it's a it's about a seventy-five minute show with no intervals, so it's kind of all one act. But that doesn't mean to say that it's going to be any less than what people have come to expect and love. Like it's going to be full of gags, like full of fun. You know the usual capers and shenanigans that go along with panto. Mm.
0: And it, to be fair, I think uh, I, I'd take anything. I mean, if it was just Frank Mackey shouting at me on stage for 50 minutes, I'd nearly go and see that anyway, calling me a dirty-looking eejit uh, consistently. Yeah. I mean, he wouldn't be wrong. Um, but I, I think it's just very important to get some life back into that wonderful building, uh, and because it it has been quiet for far too long. Yeah, it
2: absolutely has. And like you're right, and being here during the pandemic was just really, really sad. I mean, this building exists because you know, it's about groups of people coming together to have a collective experience. It's about, you know, like the whole, life, well, the whole life and soul of the building is about people and people being here together, having, you know, watching entertainment and arts events, you know, and it's soulful and beautiful to be part of that. And when you're not doing that, then everything feels kind of hard and, you know, sad, you know, so absolutely the chance of putting back on stage is really, really important. And like, we're just. We're pinching ourselves now, Jonathan, to be honest. Like, we're really, very
0: fortunate. Uh, well, I'm, I'm presuming, because when I was trying to buy tickets online, it was really, really busy. There's a huge pent-up demand out there, Eileen.
2: Yeah, there is. I mean, we see it now for Panto in particular. Like, you know, I think people are just crying to get back to things. Like, Panto's such a staple in people's Christmas. You know, it's like families coming together. Like, people meet on an annual basis to come to the Panto and they do the same thing year after year. And I think people are just dying for a bit of what feels like normality. You know, they're dying to do the things that they know and love and and that, you know, are, are the things that are about celebrating life and celebrating kind of time together. And I suppose that's our job. And I can see, I see that being the job of spaces like Fork Opera House, you know, for the foreseeable future. Like we have to take the time out to kind of process what we've been through and as a society. And I think the Opera House can kind of help with that, you know, like it gives people space and time to think about what the pandemic has meant and um, you know, even something like panto, like it's just it comes with such joy attached to it. You know that um, there is a huge demand for it, and you know we hope that we'll have enough tickets to go around because it's slightly shorter run as well this year
0: than would be previous years. Mm. But that said, there will be plenty of of activity. Adventures in Pantoland is the official title on it. So yes. who who is going yes. to join Nanny Nelly?
2: So we have an array of fabulous panto characters that would be familiar to some of our patrons we see Jack and Jill and Nanny Nelly and the evil Gazalcahar. I don't even think I'm saying that right. Bal- uh, Balthazar,
0: was, I think. A bit, I, I, bet, I bet that fecker uh, before. He's no he's no good.
2: <laughs> oh, he's no good kind of a creature. But Nanny Nelly will surely us how to say that anyway. Of course, Panto, I have no doubt about that. Um, but yeah, like it's just, uh, you know, the whole story is that Balthazar is coming to steal Panto and steal this very special book of fairy tales that, you know, represents Panto and what, if this is gone, then your know, pants is over forever. So Nanny Nelly has to stay today. So we'll have to wait now and see if she actually manages to do that. But knowing Nanny Nelly, I think she'll, she'll figure it out all
0: right. Yeah, she's, she's good that way. Um, from a it's pure that- business perspective, Eileen, yeah. this has been a nightmare, uh, as it has been for every business. But yours is one of the last sectors to even start to recover. Um, there must have been times when you looked at this and go, I, I don't know how. I don't know how we could possibly survive this. Even though this building has traded through wars, fires, yeah. um, recessions, everything. That this must have been the most threatening period in mm-hmm. its history.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that, Jonathan. Like it's been a really tough um from a business point of view, it's been a tough eighteen months. And I think more than anything else it was the uncertainty that came with it. Like, you know, we had to postpone shows four or five times. Like we had to, you know, you know, we have twenty thousand patrons who have been affected by this, you know, ticket holders, people, people who have bought tickets to shows that, you know, have to be postponed or cancelled as we result the pandemic, and I suppose not being able to kind of have certainty with our patrons kind of undermines the relationship with our parents, patrons a little bit. So we're, you know, we're trying very hard to mitigate that by, you know, just staying on top of it and having really good communication. But outside of that, like, yeah, it's been really tough, and it's been really tough on the artistic community. Um, but actually, what I'm seeing now more and more is the fruits of, you know, the time. Like, artists have had time to make things that perhaps they wouldn't have had time to make before. A lot of, you know, commercial producers will have time to have think, think about the work that they're doing and, and create new work. So, like, there's actually, I think, out of this going to be a very fruitful, kind of rich time for the industry, you know. It's just that we need to be able to support that by being alive and, and you know, being financially sound. you know. Mm. Um but I suppose the good news is, you know, Cockapoo House, as you say, has gone through a lot in the past, and I've no doubt that we will have recovered from this
0: too. Um, not, hopefully, hopefully, you won't be hit are, by Anthony else for another while. I mean, this 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 what's is so kind of two lifetimes worth of crisis.
2: Yeah, hopefully not. And it certainly, like from what we're seeing in the box office, like people are wanting to come back. They want to come back to the opera house. There's a real, there's a real sense of like, you know, we will recover because people are buying tickets, which is essentially what we need people to do, you know. So there's a real sense of support from the community. People were with us all the way during the pandemic, and they remain with us now. And we'll continue to make sure that we have really good programming. Which will in you know which will in turn then give people every opportunity to come back to us. So that's our job, you
0: know. Well, I I very much look forward to shouting he's behind you, as I inevitably will do at some point with the kids at the panto this year. Tickets are on sale right now. CorkOperaHouse.ie I think is the website for all the details, Eileen.
2: That's it, ie, and all the information is there and we really look forward to having you
0: in, Jonathan. Thanks uh, I, I, Honest to God, cannot wait. Best of luck to you and everybody there as you get up and running in the next couple of weeks. But for now, Eileen Gleeson, CEO of the Cork Opera House, thanks so much for joining us on Red Business.
2: Thanks, Jonathan. Thank
0: you so much.
3: The only show in town for
0: Cork Business, Red Business. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Wow! Oh, come on, there's never a bad time to me. introduce a bit of Frank Sinatra let's to red fly, business, and my next away. guest enables me to do that. Kevin Cullenan of Cork Airport. How are you?
3: I'm very good, Jonathan.
0: It's lovely to talk to you, Gennaby. We haven't been flying anywhere out of Cork Airport for a while, for for reasons we'll discuss, but there's been a steady stream of good news, hasn't there?
3: Well, indeed, we we closed here at the end of September to begin the, the vital reconstruction of the main runway. And ever since, we seem to be putting out almost a weekly news release of airlines that are announcing New routes for this winter and next summer, whether that was Ryanair initially with 20 routes and they've subsequently added a further two to bring it up to 22. You see KLM, and Aircraft, and a crew here overnight uh, for the winter to go double daily. Um, obviously seen Grelling, the, the Spanish low-cost carrier announced uh, a service to Paris, Orly, and, and Aer Lingus uh, announcing their, their winter schedule as well out of Cork in recent days. So... uh. It has been, I suppose, the proverbial green shoots are starting to to flourish and grow again. Uh, And we're looking forward to obviously welcoming those aircraft back when we reopen on the 22nd of November next.
0: Mm, The big question, of course, is will you open on the 22nd of November as you have scheduled to? I mean, how how are things progressing at the airport?
3: We will absolutely open on November 22nd. We have obviously a number of flights scheduled for that day to arrive and take off and obviously a lot of passengers are, are pre-booked on those flights at this stage. So we'll actually be doing proving flights over the new runway uh, the week before. So the runway will we'll be physically ready for those flights where we'll test the various new navigational systems and lighting systems that are going in. So we're halfway through the project at this stage. Uh, we're on schedule. Weather has been kind to us. Uh, and we're motoring ahead. I mean, it's it's, it's a huge project. Uh, the 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 last day I was out, uh, I counted over 200 vehicles alone uh, working uh, on the the, the reconstruction of the main runway. So uh, it's certainly progressing well, and we're confident that we'll have the completion of the main works uh, completed on time in full reopening on Monday the 22nd of November.
0: Mm. Remind us again, Kevin, because there's been so much discussion around this and so much frustration, I think, from the travelling public as to why this was going ahead and why it had to go ahead now and why it couldn't have gone ahead when flights were less in demand uh, as they are at this moment in time.
3: Well, we actually brought forward this investment package, um, which is a magnitude of about €40 million worth of investment going into Cork Airport at the moment. This work was due to be done at the latter end of next year uh, and into this first uh, three months of 2023. So when we saw last year the devastating impact that COVID had on aviation globally, but particularly here in Cork, uh, we decided to bring forward and advance the works um, to get the funding in place, uh, go through all of the regulatory approvals, a uh, rigorous and robust EU procurement process, um, and from the time we secured all of that last November to when we opened on November 22nd, we'll have completed all of that within 12 months. Uh, it's the fastest capital project, I'd say, completed in the state in decades. Um, we couldn't have done it any faster. And we're doing it over 10 weeks when we bit the bullet, literally to close the airport, make that hard decision to do the work 24-7 over 10 weeks rather than have to prolong it over 10 months at the end of next year and into 2023 when we could only do it at night after the last aircraft would arrive in at about 10 o'clock at night. Mm. We'd bring equipment on on site, do the work through the night as best we could then take all of the equipment off again at four in the morning, do a complete security and safety sweep to make sure we could have an aircraft take off at six in the morning. And we would have had to have done that every day and every night for 10 months. So doing it over a much shorter 10-week period is safer from both a construction point of view and an aeronautical point of view, but it's also considerably cheaper. Yeah. And it just less less flights, less passengers, and our airline customers were fully behind us.
0: Well, we, we are going to go from uh, a, a situation of famine to veritable feast, uh, based on what you're telling us. There is an appetite for airlines to increase volume out of Cork, isn't there? I mean, Ryanair are pretty much back to where they would have been, as you said, the Aer Lingus schedule, second flight, uh, daily flight to Amsterdam, Lufthansa, Air France. I mean, we'll end up probably having more airlines operating out of Cork when you reopen than we would have had in previous years.
3: Yeah, I mean, we came into this pandemic, you know, with nine airline customers operating uh, up to 50 routes over over a 12-month period in 2019. We were down to as low as two airlines left standing in January of this year, just flying to to Amsterdam and Heathrow with KLM and Aer Lingus. With a fair wind behind us, um, we'll have eleven airlines flying scheduled services next year uh, to approximately you know thirty five destinations. This stage, uh, and that could that could increase up to to forty. It'll probably take us another couple of years to get up to the full fifty plus routes that were served pre. The pandemic, uh, but we've got, we've got a good strong headwind behind us now. And as you say, there's a very strong pent up demand from the traveling public that want to reconnect with family and friends and destinations that they want to get to. Because uh, a lot of cabin fever has, has stuck home. Oh, that, hang on, uh, hang on.
0: You're, you're preaching to the converted on that one, Kevin. The cabin fever is terrible. I can't wait to get on board an aircraft again. But that said, you go to a lot of effort to bring in these airlines. And you know what's coming down the pipeline, Kevin Collinan. You have your finger on the pulse. Have we more good news to come, do you think?
3: I think we'll see some further announcements this side of Christmas, uh, certainly. Um, our Head of Aviation Business Development, Brian Gallagher, and Managing Director Neil McCarthy, were in Midland last week at the World Routes Forum, which is essentially three or four days of intensive speed dating for airlines and airports where you get to present your most rigorous and robust business case for new business. Uh, and they got some very good early soundings from that. In other cases, there's there's sowing seeds with prospective airlines Um those seeds will take a couple of years to, to germinate and come home to roost. Mm. But uh, you know, i have got to ask sure. you the
0: question about the transatlantic, Kevin. We we did have a short-lived service over to Boston. Um, any chance of another service now? I mean, JetBlue are flying into Europe for the first time. They could. They'd be a nice one for Cork.
3: The beauty, I suppose, of of getting Norwegian in here was it it put Cork on the transatlantic map and it dispelled some of the urban myths um, that existed about the length of the runway and whether you could or could not get to the east coast of the United States. Um, Norwegian proved you can and obviously the most desired route we want to secure is a direct service from Cork to New York in the next three to five years. So we have been meeting prospective airlines. We did more of that last week. Um, but bear in mind, Cork as a city and as a region is competing with over 200 other cities larger than Cork in Europe that will also would like to have uh, their toes in the transatlantic market. So it's a very competitive market space. We're competing for a very mobile asset, which is an aircraft that could operate it. Um, but it's top of our priority list to, to mm. you know, re- retain that status as Ireland's newest transatlantic uh, airport. We want to get a service back. Uh, and we're certainly, um, you know, laying the, the, the spade work now to try and uh, bring home that, that particular prize in the next three to five years.
0: I, I know you're gearing up for reopening, um, but the, the terminal must be a lonely old place at the moment. It's a big, vast, empty hall. I mean, are, are the staff doing anything to to keep the noise levels up, to, to make it feel lived in, as they'd say?
3: Well, while well, the terminal is, is extremely quiet because it's devoid of passengers and a lot of airline and ground handling staff and food and beverage personnel, The Aerodrome itself is extremely busy. It's probably the biggest construction site in the country right now. Um, And obviously staff have been redeployed right across the business, to not just on this project, but a whole plethora of other projects. Um, So we've been availing. It's not very often you get to to close an airport for 10 weeks. So we've been able to do, you know, essentially a, a full spring clean, uh, of all facilities, uh, all of our you know, baggage belts, conveyor systems, back of house, uh, all of the floors and departures, all those lovely timber floors have been well oiled at this stage. So the dusters have been out and uh, hopefully when we re- reopen on the 22nd of November, people will see um, that we're ready uh, welcoming uh, passengers arriving back in. Um, because obviously it's important that tourists start to arrive back in to fill hotel rooms and restaurants and the tourist attractions in the region as well as obviously allowing people across the south of Ireland to connect again.
0: Okay. Bottom line, in a promise, 22nd of November is definitely the reopening date.
3: That's what we're all aiming for and that's what we're on schedule to achieve.
0: Well, we we'll fingers crossed the weather won't do anything to scope for that, but for now, Kevin Collinan, on that very positive note at Cork Airport. Thanks so much for joining us at Red Business.
3: Always a pleasure, Jonathan. Red Business all that's best about business in Cork.
0: People in Clonakilty are very familiar with Scaly super value and if they are gluten intolerant or celiac, they're big fans of their in-store gluten-free bakery which was set up in 2015. Last year, Niamh Scaly took over the reins and turned that operation into a brand of its own with some serious ambitions that's already supplying lots and lots of stores around Cork and is also being served at a few five-star hotels. Niamh Scaly, you've had a busy year.
1: I have, absolutely. Um, and thanks for having me on, Jonathan. It's kind of fitting that we're having this conversation because it's just a year ago since I actually did take over the range. So we're a year in business and it has been a very busy, but a very exciting year with a lot of learning thrown in. So um, we started a year ago, as I said, um, the range was being produced in my parents' supermarket in Canna And during lockdown I found myself having been in Australia and I came back from my travels that me and my new fiance ended up working in the shop at that time we joined the front line and during that period with the restrictions and lockdown we found we were getting a lot of requests from customers who were saying please send us our goodies Um, and these were people who would have been travelling down to West Cork on their holidays or whatever the occasion. And after a while, we just kind of thought, you know, me and my family, why instead of bringing them to us, why not bring the range to them? Um, And we knew that the range was very much loved by customers for its freshness and the taste. And I suppose the breadth of range as well is something that people would have Mm. had a massive appreciation for.
0: Because, Niamh, Um, I I know from speaking to people who are celiac in particular, uh, uh, gluten-free stuff can times be awful. Uh, Crumbly, dry, fall apart, no taste, uh, feels like you're chewing cardboard. You guys cracked it quite early that it didn't taste like cardboard at all at all.
1: Yeah, but I suppose the secret to that is, and this is one thing that I suppose they'd always say in our shop, if people are familiar with it, they'll know that we have a whole host of products that are produced in the store. The ingredients and the quality of the ingredients that are used and I don't think you can stray too far from that, you know, like in our pastry products, we use real Irish butter, you know. Um, there's no shortcut taken. We don't add preservatives. Um, like, it would be a lot easier for us as a business model to add in preservatives that we'd have a longer shelf life, but we don't do that. And there's a real appreciation from the customer for doing that because it's like real bread that they would make at home themselves. Um, and speaking of the ingredients, I suppose province of ingredients doesn't suffer either when it comes to creating our range. We have locally sourced, ingredients where possible and I think that's that's definitely contributing to quality but I suppose as well one of the things that we stand over is this range has been developed by non-celiacs for celiacs so we taste test everything and we actually don't take anything to market that we wouldn't buy ourselves and I think that's something Mm. that is proving to have worked so far with our customers and we're always listening to them as well Um, Well, It's very
0: very important to listen to your customers because otherwise you don't learn too much. What, What do your customers tell you?
1: Well, I suppose, as you said, starting out, I suppose I had a huge job to do in terms of developing the brand. And if you think back to years and years ago before, if you wanted gluten-free goods, you'd actually have to go to the pharmacy to get it, whereas today it's actually a lot more accessible. And listening to customers in the shop where we would meet them and greet them, they'd be kind of saying, oh, I'm feeling sorry for my daughter. She's just been diagnosed with celiac disease. So by taking all these insights and actually listening to them and understanding what products they would like to see on the market what we have really worked on is trying to bring something to them that really excites them. And I suppose that actually nearly started with the brand colours that I chose when developing the brand. You know, it's vibrant, it's energetic, it's fun, and we want our customers to feel really happy when they're buying our products and tasting it. Um, And I suppose that's all giving a lovely customer sentiment and customer satisfaction. But then we also listen to them in terms of bringing new products to market as well. So when we started out a year ago, we decided to bring our four top-selling breads that everyone loved and raved about. Um, and after a couple of weeks, I was getting requests from store owners and customers to say, look, they're looking for the appetite, can we please get it? So that wasn't actually in my initial plan, but because customers were looking for it and it it, it excited them to think that they could get it in their local shop, then we said, "Let's just do it," and that's a product that really is on the shelves just from listening to our customers
0: mm, which is great when you think about it that that it's uh, it's able to reach that spread so quickly when you were away yeah. i mean super supermarkets clearly run in the blood because you you worked in a very big brand in Australia, didn't you?
1: Yeah, so I suppose I had had my own experience here. I had worked in Musgrave on the commercial graduate program across the Supervalue and Centre brands. And I suppose at that stage, I was really eager to get some international retail marketing experience. Um, So myself and James decided to move over there for a couple of months anyway. Um, And I ended up getting a role with Coles Retail Group, working on brand reinvigoration and brand development for the liquor division of the business. So that was an incredibly exciting experience for me. You know, even to be working across, you know, the entire of Australia was, Brilliant! It was a great opportunity, and mm. I really
0: enjoyed it. But you had you had your experience as well because Scallys have been one of the leading super value retailers for a long time, and it's always the shops one of those shops that I just call into when I'm in West Cork, just purely to see what you're doing next. Yeah. So you you you've expanded out the bakery model, uh, like what what's the next big plan? Are you uh, what other wonders of West Cork are you going to unleash on on, on a city folk? Well, I suppose
1: my real plan is to get the gluten-free as far as we can take it. I suppose my real problem at the moment, Jonathan, is we started in a production unit, not expecting the uptake from the customers to go as well. Um, And for me to expand even further now, we're currently trying to secure a larger premises to be able to produce more. So that's actually proven to be a bit of a problem. But I suppose, as you said earlier, yes, we're stretching down as far as Kerry now and we're in a few five-star hotels, which is lovely. And um, I'd be hoping to edge our way into um, Limerick as well in the next couple of months. But it's all down to the space. So, mm. um, well, Kamir,
0: if you've managed to convince the Kerry fellas that cork bread is the way forward, I think you're already <laughs> onto a winner there, aren't you?
1: Oh, sure, we're delighted. What, what really helped us, I suppose, is the fact that we appeared on the Celiac Society food list for 21. Um, and the day that that was. Um, published it was incredible like the reaction that it got again from the customers ringing looking for it so I thought credit for credit is due the Celiac Society is obviously providing a great support for those in a celiac or gluten-free diet because um, the reaction was phenomenal so that that's really helped us and then recently as well we won two Blossom in Heron awards we won a, a gold medal for our roles and the silver medal for our multi-grain loaf. And all that talk around the brand, that all really helps.
0: Okay. Um Well, it, it, it's available in lots of different stores, some hotels as well. You'll, you'll spot it by what brand? Is it the Clonacilty Gluten-Free Kitchen? Is that the brand that's on yes. it?
1: Yeah, that's the brand. And you can't really miss us because our colours are very striking and vibrant.
0: Yeah, um, and, and as somebody who has tasted your apple tart in particular, I can vouch for it because you wouldn't realise it, it is gluten-free which is half the battle uh, uh, when you're dealing with that. In fact, it, it tasted far nicer than some of the other ones that had lots of gluten in it. Niamh Scali, we wish you and the family the best of luck as you continue to grow this business. Niamh Scali from the Clonacilty Gluten-Free Kitchen, thanks so much for joining us on Red Business. Thank you. My thanks, as always, to all of my guests. Don't forget you can download every episode right now from redextra.ie. Gary McDonough was the producer, and we'll catch you on the next one.
3: Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork.